Well, well, well. Welcome back, that is, to Brainy Days. <laughs> I'm Jeff. And I'm Paul. And it's time that we make everybody's rainy days a little brainier again. Sorry for the hiatus. <laughs> We had a little, we had some technical issues that I don't really want to go into details about because it really, really pisses me off. But in a nutshell, we recorded episode 12. We had our first guest on there, which was really cool. And then I ended up accidentally (laughs) deleting all of my files. Deleting everything. Every single one of my files (laughs) on my computer. I know that sounds impossible, but, or at least for a competent person, which I don't really know if I qualify as one of those anymore, but... It's it's been long enough for me to laugh at it, right? Yeah. So we've had a lot, a lot to, of those delays because of that, and uh, but now we're back to to talk to you guys. New year, new episodes. Yeah. New president. New president. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of changes going on. A lot of change these days, but uh, looks like the capital made it though throughout this week. It did. The good, week's good for that. Week's not over yet, but the wall, the erected wall, probably helped. Uh, yeah, National Guard. I, th- I think then, yeah, <laughs> then that was probably very tough. <laughs> anyway, so today we're going to talk a little bit about nonverbal communication as opposed to verbal communication. What that is, some neuroscience behind it, and how knowing about it and recognizing it can, and learning how to recognize it can enhance our relationships with people we know or, or strangers even. So, uh, <laughs> oh, did you at one point want to talk about, it? did you want to bring up the Bernie's thing? The Bernie thing? The Bernie thing? The Bernie thing? Like, are you talking about the meme and Bernie's no, just <laughs> sitting in the chair? I just discovered that, um, like, minutes before coming to record, Tim, my roommate, was showing me all these really funny Bernie Sanders things, because I didn't watch the inauguration, <laughs> so I wasn't informed. It's, it's hilarious. Um, it is pretty funny. I love that guy. <laughs> He's great. Um, uh, no, we don't need to bring it up. Yeah. Okay. I mean... <clears throat> I guess one thing I can say is if you haven't watched any of the inauguration, I would highly recommend going to watch the poet um, recite her poem. I, th- I think her first name's Amanda, but I can't fully remember. Yes. Um, yeah, the poet's name is Amanda Gorman, uh, and it was phenomenal, and it was very ins- inspiring. And as one of my friends put it, um, it was like a moment where, for the first time in a while, like they actually felt proud of like being an american <laughs> like, oh. just hearing it that's so, awesome it, it was it's a great out. poem it's a great recital um so i awesome. recommend going to look at that thank you for the recommendation so today we'll be talking about nonverbal communication one of my favorite topics honestly because i just think it's really interesting to i think communication in general is very interesting but the fact that we have these different forms of communication is super cool to me and we don't just it's not just humans right who have these different forms of communication other animals do too uh Mm -hmm. in fact is there any animal that doesn't communicate well there i mean there are animals i think that don't verbally communicate like with noises but uh, there are animals that also non-verbally communicate along with chemically communicate and verbal communication so kind of like yeah actually I have a really dumb question. What? Um, when you say verbal communication, does that technically just mean speech, or does that mean any vocal, vocally produced? Hmm. I think it would. I you know I was thinking just speech, like verbiage. Yeah. But, but it might be verbal communication, like a scream. I think would be verbal communication, even though it's not a word. Mm. If you like heard somebody scream, that would be like, come over here because of my words because it's gotcha. something's happening i don't know though so like birds singing to one another like mating songs i would consider that verbal communication because it's like their type of language in a way yeah let's see what the internet says yeah, curious verbal communication refers to the production of spoken language to send to to send an intentional message to a listener 
Verbal and nonverbal communication abilities are considered to represent a core deficit in the diagnosis of autism. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't answer the question about birds. <laughs> do, ver- bird- do birds use... <laughs> do birds uh, speak in sentences? Birds communicate non-verbally. That's what it says. So maybe singing okay. is not verbal. Do any other animals communicate verbally? Yeah, verbal communication or the recognition of words and phrases. Oh, oh, is not unique to humans. Most animals have shown an impressive ability in learning these skills. Do they mean human language? <laughs> I don't know. This is just weird. I don't know how technical. How did we get into the weeds so quickly? <laughs> I guess it's it's technically uh, yeah. I think. Uh, oh, I mean, I what I'm thinking. Spe- Why is this so hard? Species to, to species, the th- their form of verbal communication would be using audition, like hearing. That's what I would consider it, unless... Vocalizations, right. Also, just for the listeners, we uh, are recording remotely because... A, because of the pandemic. B, because my closet is not clean and I can't really fit another person in it right now. And I'm really lazy and I had a long day at work, so... (laughs) Those reasons, too. (laughs) But in case audio quality is a little shaky today, that's why. Yeah, the pandemic is in full-fledged... Full force, not full. <laughs> it's in full force, uh, and it's getting worse. Yeah. Uh. Everybody remember, just because it's a new year doesn't mean we can all of a sudden go back to normal. So, as unfortunate yes. as that is, and also remember that as soon as you get the vaccine, you should still keep social distancing right. because it's not yet confirmed if you can still carry it around and give it to other people, which more than likely the answer is yes. <laughs> little PSA. Yes. Um, so I figured we can talk about three main parts to get into this conversation about nonverbal communication. First, we can just talk about what it is, right? Which we kind of almost just touched on, but we'll get more into detail about what it is. Then we can talk a little bit about what the neuroscience, what very general neuroscience is behind our ability to nonverbally communicate. And then part three you know, why does it matter to hone our skills with, within the realm of nonverbal communication? Why should we care about picking up nonverbal cues and social cues that aren't spoken? And how can it enhance and, you know, change our, our relationships with our friends and family and even with interactions with strangers, either for the better or for the worse? Mm-hmm. Or animals. And pets. And animals. Like yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I literally printed out my notes for this today uh-huh. and then I uh, immediately printed it out and forgot pets. So I went back and I was like, pets, we do this for pets too. Because <laughs> I came into my room and New Year, I got new cats. <laughs> I got two cats. Their names are Pugsley and Poncho and I uh, love them so much and I talk to them all the time, but they also give me nonverbal cues to like, <laughs> leave, leave them the fuck alone or yeah <laughs> or you know they want food all that kind of shit or if they rip up your plants you stare at them uh, angrily and you give them the nonverbal verbal <laughs> to stop tearing up your plants the nonverbal cue that i use for the plants when i do catch them is spraying a bottle of water at them <laughs> or like near them i just like i think mm-hmm. they get scared of the noise like tss, yeah you know? but also then if they get wet they're like what the heck Cause, i don't know in that voice <laughs> um uh, cool so what is nonverbal communication paul would you want to give this what give a shot at what your definition for that would be after our oh, yeah. little we just tried to define it no we were just, well whatever <laughs> what, what would be before looking it up what would be your definition of nonverbal? um i i mean my definition i think is the falls in line with the the technical definition which is just verbal I guess the way I would define it is by defining the opposite. Verbal communication is using um, like a constructed language with like words, syllables, or symbols. Um, and so like sign language, I think technically falls under verbal communication, yes. even though you're not vocalizing. Uh, and so nonverbal communication is just anything that's not that, um, <laughs> that you're interacting with another entity with. And so that could be... 
like facial expressions, right? Facial. I was going to say staring somebody down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul's favorite facial expression. My facial expression is always just blank. <laughs> it could be like hand gestures or posture, you know, mm-hmm. like the direction of somebody's feet could kind of sometimes tell you maybe like, do they got to get going or are they yeah. sticking around or are mm-hmm. they in a rush? Arms crossed. Right. Crossed arms. I forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess it also in nonverbal encompasses things like chemicals and smells and yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. I never really grouped that into there, but I would call that chemical communication, but I guess it is technically nonverbal. So many animals, many mammals at least, actually no, many animals in general use chemical sensory information to communicate with each other using pheromones and hormones do hormones go in there no right just pheromones i think a, f- a pheromone is a type of hormone i think I, so too but I, I don't know i know nothing about that type of stuff yeah i should have prepped myself on that one. Oh, pheromones are chemicals capable of acting like hormones outside of the body right but affect another organism right yes correct cool yeah but primates for instance are an animal much like humans that we don't really rely a lot on chemical communication um nonverbal communication as well as our verbal communication but today we're just focusing on the non-speaking parts of communication can be affected by our current state of emotions much like a lot of other things like a lot of other behaviors that we have can be affected such as you know our our ability to Remember, memory is definitely affected by our emotional state. Um, but at least some of my examples that I, I thought of were like the twitching of the mouth or like widening of the eyes, flinching or excess swallowing or blinking. Sometimes the person displaying the nonverbal cues can be aware of them, but sometimes they can be unaware of them, but other people can pick up on them. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of a show that I used to watch called Lie to Me. And it was about this. <laughs> me and Paul watched the trailer for it the other day. I, I didn't realize it was that corny, but... <laughs> it looks awful. It's pretty I bad. I recommend. <laughs> I was like, maybe we should talk about this. And we watched the trailer and we we're like, you know, let's just briefly mention it. But it was about this psychologist whose job it was to detect deceit within, like, during interrogations of criminals. Mm-hmm. And it tried to use science, but I think there's probably a lot of not so real science in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's not a real thing yeah it's 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 not it's it's just a a show series yeah like a fake acting show (laughs) (laughs) one of those um but yeah so this kind of like nonverbal communication requires absolutely no explicit verbiage but it still conveys a message and sometimes that message can be very clear and sometimes that message can still be muddled and you can't really you know you still have trouble figuring it out and i think different you know lots of different people everybody has a different level of uh or a different skill in nonverbal communication and this actually causes i think a lot of miscommunication between individuals but you know another another thing that wasn't lie to me for instance was like but also that can we can apply to everyday life is detecting fake smiles versus real smiles Right. If we're talking to like our boss or our girlfriend or boyfriend and we think like, oh, well, you know, that didn't really look genuine. Yeah. Usually a real smile is, you know, a fake smile is just the curved mouth. And then a real smile is usually accompanied with like squinty eyes and like your ears getting pulled back a little bit and your cheek cheeks muscles being a little bit different. What the kids these days would call the smiles. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the what? Smize. The smile. Do people actually say that? I think I, I don't, don't ask them too often. She's got those smiles. <laughs> or the f*** me eyes. That was in a, <laughs> that was in a, a movie from Ted. From Ted. And then she's like, what kind of eyes do I have? And he goes, you have, what is it? Give me the ring, my precious eyes. <laughs> Um, oh, yikes. but yeah, so going back to really quick, 
just in general, we use this between humans, but animals also use it between each other. But then humans also use it to animals, and animals also use it to humans. Humans to animals could be, you know, I'm going to ignore your meows or your your barking because I, I don't, you know, I guess I don't know if that would be a form of a nonverbal communication, but I think by definition yeah. it's like you're you're choosing to do an act to make to send a mm-hmm. message like I'm not listening. But then also, you know, cats will meow when they're hungry and dogs will bark when they want to go use the bathroom. And anybody who has a pet knows that you do have this very, this like weird hybrid language of, you know, whatever language you speak and whatever, whatever language they speak and and their species. And you combine it to work with each other, which I always thought was super interesting. I mix my words with barks occasionally (laughs) so the dog understands me. You know, so you're just like, woof. I know. So, My, you I said hybrid, hybrid language. I, <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? I, uh, it, you meow at I, your cats occasionally? I don't... Well, you know. I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, caught myself uh, meowing at my cats the other day, and I was just like, oh, no. And then today I went to PetSmart and got them cans of food, and then the, the cashier was like, do you want a bag for, for the food? And I was like... I was like, no, I'm good. I'll just put them in my pocket. And I just shoved the, these cans of wet food into my pea coat and then i told her i was like wow do i look like the crazy cat man just like shoving wet cat food in my pocket <laughs> i didn't realize how embarrassing that was until I, like when i got into the elevator right after that situation that's, but, that's hilarious yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and so you know different forms again could just be like i don't know what are some other forms maybe like rolling your eyes or pursing your lips or squinting your eyes. Maybe these are all forms of nonverbal communication. And we all do all of these. We all do a lot of these a lot of the time. And again, sometimes we do it on purpose voluntarily. And sometimes we do it involuntarily. Paul, would you agree that? Cause I just thought of this, like, do you think that if we're voluntarily initiating a form of nonverbal communication, that we're trying to emphasize a specific emotion or communication. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm almost undoubtedly. Right. It doesn't have to be accurate or inaccurate. Like, if you fake smile, you're not really happy, but you want to convey the message that yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the ultimate goal is always to make you adjust your behavior and to change somebody else's behavior. And whether there's intent or not, I think that basically falls directly in line with maybe conscious or un- unconscious decisions and how you present your posture or whatever. Definitely. Your, how you non-verbally communicate. Which kind of leads us into the next part, right? So the second thing we're really going to talk about today is some of the brief neuroscience that is behind non-verbal communication. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into the weeds of neuroscience today. We just kind of want to briefly talk about you know, parts of the brain that do exist that do help us kind of understand nonverbal cues and social cues a little bit more easily. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk? Do you want to just like mention like the fusiform face area or something? Well, you just mentioned. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I can just cut it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of those areas is the the fusiform face area or FFA, um, which is just a. I guess it's at the end of one of your visual, like, streams of information in your brain. Um, it's sort of at the top of the what you might call a hierarchy of visual processing. And the idea is that you have this specialized sort of region of your brain that's very, very selective or responsive to faces. And, and so the, the idea from there is that, like, seeing faces is a very important aspect to us. Um, and it's, it's something, particularly as humans, we're very good at, which is why we can so easily pick out Jesus's face and, and burnt toast or on the, side of, <laughs> on the side of a tree or something. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we, we, we just have like this very, like we have this specialization for recognizing faces and differences in faces. Um, and so we can pick up on sort of nonverbal communication through facial expressions that way. And so I think that that part of the brain, generally, along with all the other visual 
regions and areas of the brain, which Paul does his research on, is all visual cortex. Um, that face region or that face area, it works with other visual areas and emotional areas even that can help us determine whether or not somebody is being genuine or ingenuine or if there's really an underlying message that should be received or just an underlying message in general that someone can pick up on. You know, if somebody's depressed or anxious, if you can understand how to decode some of these nonverbal cues, you can pick up. And a lot of people, if you really pay attention, you can pick up on their emotional state. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's very interesting. And the reason why it's like called nonverbal communication is because like within a society, like you have these unspoken established norms about like, like what different facial expressions mean. Like, right. like you, everybody could look at the same person if they're sort of all in the same end group and like understand exactly what the non, like same nonverbal communication is coming off of the person. Right. Like I think emotional faces they say it's like a universal language right a smile is a universal language because people mm-hmm. smile when they're happy that's just yeah. our innate behavior i guess yeah and we we wince when we're in pain we frown when yeah. we're sad or we taste something sour actually i don't know if sour counts because it's a chemical i don't know I mean, it's un- it's unpleasant, and it's very easy to read distaste <laughs> with somebody else when they do not like what they're eating. But as for the emotional processing center, so along with the visual cortex and the fusiform gyrus, the which I believe in that it would go in the order from your eyes, like the stimulus would go from your retina to your visual cortices to other places, such as the fusiform gyrus, and then maybe even simultaneously to emotional processes as emotional centers as well, like. The limbic system, for instance. Mm-hmm. Well, if we want to get really technical, visual cortical areas, they uh, they project to uh, almost all the other regions in the brain. A lot of yeah, regions I, in the brain they project everywhere. I mean, the whole and that that goes for all the sensory areas. They they project everywhere in the brain. It's it's wild. And that's uh, but particularly vision, isn't vision. Isn't like a quarter of our of our cortex devoted to the vision or something like that? Uh, well, this, generally, this lot? gets a, this is maybe slightly off topic um, with nonverbal communication, but um, I think the classical well, some people had sort of a classical understanding that different areas of the brain were compartmentalized for like different functions, um, and. I think today the leading, like leading evidence, suggests and shows. <laughs> my head just like completely popped off my head. That was weird. Um, the leading evidence sort of suggests that like a lot of different areas of the brain aren't so compartmentalized or like specialized in their function as once right. thought. So like while like technically true that from the retina you have direct projections going to an area of your brain called the thalamus and then from there there's direct connections to visual cortex there's like two layers of synapses to get there it's like super fast processing but like if you also look at cortical activity in the visual cortical area quote unquote like you see signals that also correspond or highly correlate with other things uh, such as like movement, like maybe like for example, in a mouse, like you could like see it licking and you could find neurons that responded just when the animal is licking in the visual cortical area. And so there's still a lot to disentangle about how the brain is, for lack of a better word, compartmentalized, more opposite, how it's sort of organized, I guess is the word. Yeah. And so, Okay. I mean, but in general, for all, you know, yeah, our one of our main, if not our main sense as humans is is vision. Yeah, that's what we primarily rely on. Right. So yeah, so there's visual areas, there's emotional areas, but then even our our frontal regions, like our prefrontal cortex, which we've talked about in the past, which helps us understand, you know, it helps us make judgments based on 
knowledge we have. It helps us, you know, I always say it helps us make decisions, but there are other parts of the brain that does do different types of decision making as well. But it also, uh, what was the third thing I had? Oh, and it also just, it gives us some social content. It, it helps us unveil social cues through social context that we've had in the past. Yeah. You know, I, this I, person was angry at me and then they looked like this. So this person must be angry at me now because they look like that person did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making those associations, figuring out what is what. These very complex uh, sort of behaviors. Uh, Paul, you came up with thinking about how people use nonverbal cues like in society. And you were talking about interrogation methods and stuff. Yeah, I'd mentioned that. Did you want to talk? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know much about it. I mean, I remember seeing some uh, YouTube videos. What was it, through Vox, maybe? I don't know. Does Vox even have YouTube? Maybe it was, like, a Now This or something. Anyways, there's some YouTube videos where, like, they picked out, like, uh, a guy that was in the CIA or something um for a long time and his like specialty was interrogation and like hearing him like talk about i haven't seen this video in months but hearing him talk about like the different like sort of things that he would like try to pick up on to tell if people are lying uh, or to tell if people are trying to use like deflection tactics whatnot right um and obviously a lot of that was like for like gathering intel or espionage or whatever but it's still very interesting how you can, like, you can be so in tune in reading these nonverbal cues that people are lo- in that situation are probably not trying to give off, but are giving off. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I guess an, an example could be like, like, I'm pretty sure I've read that. Uh, <laughs> is your food here? <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Do they come to your door? Yep. Oh my gosh, that's cool. Paul ordered food, so we have to take a break. We'll One second. <laughs> Cue the music. All right, I'm back. I'll wait to eat it, but mm, we better hurry. <laughs> I might, I might start eating. <laughs> if you, if, yeah, if you want to mute yourself, that's fine. I don't care. Um, yeah, maybe if at one point I think I can talk for a while, I can let you take a couple bites or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we could just do some food ASMR. <laughs> They're noodles. I actually like the mudang or something. Oh god, I don't know. It's just <laughs> probably just one have, of them. <laughs> it was just like all these people on YouTube, like these skinny fit people. But Americans do it too, but their version is gross. And they eat this like oh god, I, yeah, I all remember these noodles, this. And it's like like and they're just slurping up and then this woman's eating like octopus legs and it's like Regardless, it was like really weird and I wanted to watch more of it. It was, no, it was weird. No, don't want to watch it. It sounded good. I don't know. And they eat it all. Like, they eat all the food. You watch them in one cut. Eat all the food. That's the scary part. Uh, um, I don't What were we saying right before you... you do you know? Do we know? Uh, interrogation. Interrogation. Okay. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, I think I've read that, um, for instance, like, making elongated eye contact without blinking is actually, like, sometimes indicative of a liar because they're trying to, like make forceful eye contact to make it look like like you know like just actually staring at this person's eyes for longer than they normally would if they were telling the truth oh well i need to stop doing that (laughs) (laughs) yeah paul has very strong eye contact he's probably (laughs) one of the only people really in the world that i've ever met that has stronger eye contact than me and i have to consciously look away from people sometimes because people tell me I have really strong eye contact so I'll like look away but Paul he won't give up he knows I'll like say oh you have really strong eye contact right now and he'll just like yeah I know and he'll just continue to look (laughs) it's kind of freaky it's because I'm engaged (laughs) well no but I think you still look but I think 
I think the lying thing that I had read about, which I don't have a, a source for this, so I don't really know, but I think it was about blinking. So I think you blink normally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But also increased eye contact. Mm-hmm. Um, My eyes are really dry all the time. Mine too. I just got these awesome allergy eye drops, which mm. I have to use all the time now because I'm actually allergic to the two felines that I adopted. <laughs> Which is if I sound a little nasally. Today is one of the better days mm. that my voice sounds like. Oh, that's almost good. Back to normal, but usually I'm like, "Hey guys, what's up?" That's me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is verbal commun. This is nonverbal communication. Those are just a couple areas of the brain that, if you want to look those up, they and if you want to look up nonverbal communication plus, you know, fusiform gyrus or plus limbic system our emotional centers, which are our limbic system, they help us read other emotions, not just feel our emotions, but read other emotions in other people without them having to tell us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that can kind of bring us to our, our, our third and final topic, which is why does it matter that we can, why is it good or bad to be able to read these social cues, these nonverbal social cues? And how can it affect our relationships on an individual level. And I think the obvious reason, or I think one of the obvious uh, topics we can talk about is picking up and recognizing whether or not somebody is displaying depressive behaviors or anxious behaviors. Yeah. Um, actually, this is might be a good time for me to bring up that one study that I was mentioning before. Because... <clears throat> They're finding, oh, right. they're finding sort of goes in line with this. It's more about like stress, stressful situations, um, and how you sort of handle and process that. And so this is a study that's a little, a little bit funny in the methods that they do. Um, and this, one of my friends presented this in a class and then they recently brought it up to me. Um, after I mentioned this topic about nonverbal communication. Um, but the idea behind it is basically using um, like chemosensory cues uh, and seeing how that might affect social behavior. And so what the study did <laughs> is, well, I guess they had these people and they were measuring uh, MRI, um, so measuring uh, brain activity. Um, while these people were doing uh, an exclusion task, and it's called the cyberball task. Um, it's like a fairly well-established task that people use. And the idea is that the person is in the fMRI machine and they are like connected remotely to this little game session with two other people on the internet um, where it's just, you can see the two other people and you just press a left or a right button to toss a ball back and forth between the people and they can toss the ball back and forth between themselves also and whatnot. Um, and so... Oh, do they get ignored? <laughs> <laughs> well, so first off, they're not actually playing with other people, but they're told they, they are. Okay, um, I was going to ask that. But then there's an inclusion and an exclusion uh, like task difference where the inclusion is like they're constantly like interacting and throwing the ball with the other two people and then the exclusion task is basically like it look it feels normal for about 10 minutes and then the other two people just kind of ignore the third one that's so funny <laughs> and they they like measure like differences in brain activity in some of the regions that like jeff had mentioned um but in addition to this with the chemosensory cues what they were doing is trying to understand how activity um, may may differ uh, when you're provided with a specific chemosensory cue. And so the specific chemosensory cue that they gave these people while they're doing this exclusion task was sweat. <laughs> and so they, <laughs> what they did is from a completely different set of people, they collected two different types of sweat. They had sports sweat or control sweats where they had people just like working out very heavily and they ta they taped these like absorbent pads under the armpits of these people to collect it <laughs> um and then the other type of sweat was this stressful or anxious sweat and so these people had i think a, an oral or dental procedure going on and they just let the sweat collect while oh. they were going to do that <laughs> 
<laughs> it's really gross. But what's more gross is that they took these absorbent pads, and for the people in the in the fMRI or in the MRI, um, getting like doing this exclusion task, they t- they taped these absorbent pads, all, like s- sopping in sweat for these oh other people. Taped it under their nose so they'd oh be smelling it the whole time. That's, I guess, gagging is also another form of nonverbal communication. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this absolute disgust. <laughs> huh? But g- gross methods, and I hope that people got paid really well to do that. Yeah, me too. But uh, it was an interesting finding because I think it's been established that with the cyberball task and uh, during the exclusion trials or uh, exclusion condition. Um, the, there's like specific brain areas that light up uh, and there's particular differences between the inclusion and the exclusion. Uh, but what they found actually was when uh, people were given the anxious sweat pads um, where the control would, so comparing the difference uh, to the control, which was the sports sweat, uh, what they found is that these areas that were active during the exclusion period, um, when the anxious sweat was taped under their nose, um, the the activation in these areas was lessened or dampened. And so what it sort of suggests is that uh, when you are getting these chemosensory cues of like anxious sweat from people, it sort of tells, like the, the theory behind is that it's sort of conditioning you or changing your behavior to sort of like, sort of like dampen like what it, like dampen the situation, the stress of the situation or the impact of the situation for yourself. So it's almost like if you pick up these anxious sweat cues, then like you sort of withdraw. So you're not as affected by the stressful or exclusion situation that you're in. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's so weird. That's so out there. Mm -hmm. And so like you had, you meant like you, we were like moving to the, the topic of like how it could benefit us. And so that's one type of maybe sort of subconscious, nonverbal communication uh, sort of thing that sort of benefits us if we're put in a condition where nobody wants to play ball with us. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's interesting. Yeah, that was a cool segue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good for those people. I, you know, I, I hope they were compensated. Still really gross. <laughs> Imagine doing that for free. Oh, no, no. There's probably like some poor undergrads that had to do it. Probably for like for like class credit or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to go back to one thing. I don't know if I should go back first or continue this part. Maybe I'll go back first really quick. There are so many different forms of nonverbal communication that when we are in these kinds of situations, if we actually take a minute to you know, list them and think about them, which I have this awesome website resource that I'll, I'll read a couple different examples that all these happen in social situations. So let's see, uh, I'll provide the link for this at some point, but this is, what, what is this? What is this university? So it's from a, a website from the University of Minnesota, and uh, it's called Types of Nonverbal Communication. So I'm just going to kind of go through a couple of these really quick and just put out there like we we mentioned some of these but they have really really cool ones so for instance there's something called uh kinesics which is just comes from the word kinesis which just means movement right and that just kind of focuses on hand arm and body and face movements so we've kind of talked a little bit about that one thing i think is really cool is that there are three types of gestures that they go into detail about there's adapters emblems and illustrators and I thought this was really cool because adapters, for instance, are body movements like clicking a pen out of anxiety or like tapping your foot. Those are adapters because we're trying to adapt to whatever environment we're in at the moment. Or Emblems. sweating profusely. Or sweating profusely. <laughs> I'm an anxious sweater. I Yeah, I guess that would be a form of nonverbal communication. If you see somebody who has like pit stains or their back is sweaty, you can be like, oh, I wonder if, you know, and it's not hot. You can be like, oh, that person must be you know, under pressure or something, for instance. Uh, yeah. 
emblems are gestures that have a very specific agreed on meaning so in general yeah that's one of the examples <laughs> paul is giving me the finger right now <laughs> so giving the finger that one is cultural i think but in general like a thumbs up and a thumbs down or like yeah that's that's the fuck you right in italian like the little <laughs> underbrush of the chin uh other things like pointing your finger at your head and rolling it could be like oh that person's crazy or like you're crazy <laughs> Paul is giving me all these obscene gestures, <laughs> and I don't even know how to like describe them. But you you would know them if you saw them. <laughs> uh, another one might be like rolling your hands in in front of you the, one another. That could be like okay, move it along, like keep it going. Like I get it. I like that. Uh, one. So I thought those were really cool. I do that one in traffic a lot. <laughs> come on <laughs> let's go i use lots of verbal communication when i'm in traffic i open that window and i'm like hey no i don't do that i'm not that aggressive oh this is maybe an interesting segue and maybe not and if not cut it uh can nonverbal communication also be facilitated mechanically so like honking a horn ah interesting yeah, I guess that I guess that would be nonverbal technically, mm-hmm. because it's like a physical action that you're choosing to do consciously, and it just gets translated into an audio yeah. sound. So it's like it translates into car language, <laughs> but then we're like, whoa, we hear a honk, mm-hmm. and we're like. But also, if you do like a little, a little like two tap on your horn, like right, it's like a nice one. It's like, like boop, boop. hey, light hey. green. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting. That's a really interesting. Uh, point and then the last kind of gesture that they they mention is called an illustrator which is something that i as a as a very italian man use all the time that's just speaking <laughs> literally i'm doing it right now <laughs> it's just like speaking to to get the the point of whatever you're talking about out so like pushing my hand forward away from my face could show progression or like you know showing my hands like shrinking something or, or making something larger those are forms of illustrators to illustrate your point and i think that that is super helpful when you're giving a presentation for instance some people say don't always use your hands but if you are giving your presentation and there are people who are further away or you can't really hear you on the mic i think there's a there's a nice balance you gotta find yeah definitely i think some people think it's like kind of erratic or just too energetic sometimes if you're always using if you're like running across the stage like and then over here and then over there like it's a little much yeah but uh but yeah, so kind of going back to what Paul was saying, you know, understanding, oh, my kitties are trying to get in. Hey, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> understanding how we could use kind of some of these cues to pick up social scenarios and we can be more self-aware of our own verbal and nonverbal communication, but uh, as well as others. And I think it's especially important to to really try to practice this if you know somebody who suffers from depression or suffers from anxiety. And, uh, for example, I remember, I didn't realize this was a thing until this happened to me, but my girlfriend at one point, a couple years ago, we were like, just kind of having an argument, but like, to me, I wasn't having an argument, but to her, we were, and her pupils were so big, like cat eyes, big, like a ready to pounce. And I was like, holy shit, your pupils are so big right now. And I said it kind of like that being like goofy. And she looks at me with these big pupils and goes, yeah, it's because you're making me really anxious right now. And it was really interesting because in that moment, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was an actual physiological piece of evidence that I couldn't just be like, no, you're just, you're just like, fucking with me. Like, you're just lying about that. No, I was probably really making her anxious because, uh, you know, when we get physic- when we get stimulated and, like, aroused in negative or positive or negative ways <laughs> paul is doing nonverbal communication right now by lifting his eyebrows he said, like. he said we're gonna get physical <laughs> that's <it. laughs> then, you, get then physical. you you changed the word to stimulated <laughs> i know i was trying to avoid that <laughs> <laughs> another you good get one physical when you get stimulated when you get physically stimulated. <laughs> i'm sorry no. i'm very tired no it's all right don't worry we're coming to the end but again, that was a really good that you're doing a great a great array of all these different uh <laughs> my cues. eyes are itching. No, not the eyes, I mean the eyebrows being raised. Or uh. like raising one eyebrow versus another. I have these weird eyebrows where if I raise this one, it's like, huh? 
What? And then if I raise this one, it's like, yo, sup, sexy. <laughs> yeah, if you raise them, you just look like you're questioning the sanity in a person. Oh. If you hear any jingles, did you hear the jingles? No. Oh, if you hear any jingles, it's it's Pugsley being uh. a little pudge because he's got a little pudge. What's up, man? Puggles. Um, so, yeah, I think that this can definitely, especially with people who, like, for instance, my roommate, he's very open about the fact that he just he's really never experienced some some you know he's really never experienced like depression right and he he's open about that yeah and yeah i mean lucky him but a lot of people have severe depression for instance or severe anxiety and some people don't really experience it at all but some of these cues for somebody who doesn't experience those things can help you communicate with the person either in that moment you can make the choice to open a dialogue and be like, hey, like, it seems like you're, you know, a little jittery or, you know, you have a hunched posture or you're looking down, you're moving slowly. Like, is something, is everything okay? Are you feeling all right? You can either open that dialogue or what, what were you going to say? You <laughs> just described my whole behavior. And posture right now. <laughs> like, I'm like shaking my leg. I'm like hunched. I'm looking down. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> but for instance yeah those would be a lot of like depressive kind of behaviors and anxiety behaviors could be less eye contact again physical jitteriness like i mentioned dilated pupils misplaced shyness maybe if somebody's normally pretty outgoing and then they're just like very reserved in a social environment maybe they're feeling socially anxious you know maybe they're really outgoing when they talk to you one-on-one but then maybe they're anxious when they're in groups of people but not only can we open that dialogue we can also make this conscious choice not to open that dialogue because we recognize these cues. So that's something I've been practicing recently because I'm a person who just likes to talk about, I'm a person who really likes to open dialogue right away. And I'm learning that a lot of people consider that confrontation, which in my eyes, it's not necessarily confrontation, but I guess it is to some people. But now I'm practicing, okay, if I notice that somebody is really depressed or really anxious or being really irritable, either through like, texting or a phone call or in person or like on zoom these days since we don't really get to see that many people in person maybe i'll take a little time before i talk to that person again maybe i'll wait until they're smiling and happy again before i can be like hey was everything okay that one day and then they can kind of tell me oh yeah with clarity yeah i was really i was in a funk and you know i was in a huge funk yesterday actually paul which is we were gonna record yesterday and then i just texted paul can we do tomorrow instead? And he said, no problem. And I was just in a very, very like low depressive, weird funk. Um, and I just like, didn't, didn't want to do anything, but, uh, yeah. So I think that's kind of, <laughs> what are you doing? Sorry. I think one of my eyebrows <laughs> is longer than the other one. <laughs> I think this one's longer. Huh? They look, they look sim- symmetric to me. <laughs> you have nice eyebrows. Look at you. Ah, oh, I can't feed your ego like that. <laughs> I like my. Do you agree that my eyebrows have different expressions? Ready? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? <laughs> it's like this one's like, hmm, curious, and this one's like, yo, what's up, <laughs> Paul? The faces I'm getting right now on Zoom. I love it. Glad we're recording this. Maybe I can take a little bit of this and put it on, like, no? On, like, um, Instagram or something? <laughs> mm, no, because my house is in the back. So what? Everybody's everybody's house is in the... There's a weatherman doing weather with the, his house but in the background. This is my whole house. <laughs> also, this is my there's new more. computer that I'm building. Oh, is that your little building space over there? Uh-huh. But at least in conclusion, in general, or at least in general, we can enhance our relationships with friends and family and even strangers when we have these small interactions with people whether like we're in line at the store and somebody's tapping their foot and they maybe they're in a rush and you can tell and you just like don't have a place to be maybe you can let them go in front of you and then that could really mean something to that person like wow that was really cool of that stranger to kind of let me go because you noticed that Mm -hmm. there was something off there yeah but yeah i mean as humans we've developed this really really heightened sense of this ability to pick up these kinds of cues because we're social creatures. And since we're social creatures, we thrive as a society when we can more clearly understand one another on an individual level. Do you have anything else you want to say? I know you're probably really hungry. 
<laughs> I'm really hurt. There, there's just one thing that I, I personally don't know much about, but I think falls under this topic is with babies. Babies heavily rely on nonverbal communication, um, both in expressing themselves through crying or squealing <laughs> um, or just like little sounds. Um, but then also like learn a lot through nonverbal communication that's presented from caretakers from others. and parents. Yeah, definitely. And I think that can go for like, if you, you know, if, you know, your parents have a specific style of verbal and nonverbal communication, you can pick up on that. And then later when you're out in the world interacting with other different people, they can either give you feedback being like, Hey, that's really not effective or this is really effective. And we can inherit some of those traits from our, yeah yeah i mean i guess maybe in summary of everything like it's very clear that nonverbal communication is important we all do it we all understand it but what we could all benefit from is maybe like being more cognizant being more aware of like nonverbal cues nonverbal communication from others um and yeah figuring out how to respond appropriately Definitely. Yeah. For instance, my cat just <laughs> sitting down next to me, just staring at me until I picked him up. <laughs> He's so needy, but I love him so much. Um, yeah, I thought. I mean, I think that was pretty good today. I mean, we talked a little bit about what nonverbal communication is, briefly on some of the neuroscience behind it, some of the general neuroscience brain regions, mm-hmm. and then kind of how it can change our relationships and enhance them. Or, you know, if you choose, or dehance. What's the opposite of enhance? Degrade, degrade, downhand. No, or the downhand. <laughs> you get we can downhand our relationships if we don't do them right. I need to sleep. Um, uh, Pug- Pugsley's on my notes, so I'm just trying to read them. But I think that'll be a wrap for today. I'm gonna let Paul eat. He's really hungry. But thank you again for listening to Brainy Days. We have a lot more content coming at you guys this this year. 2021. Mm-hmm. 2020 was a bust, but 2021 will be. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It, it's gonna it's gonna be a rough year, at least in the yeah, start. In general. Hopefully, I think generally things will be smoother. Yeah, still be safe out there. Try to socially distance if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, if your job requires interaction with people, do what you do. But you know, wear a mask and all that, and wash your hands. Yeah. But feel free to follow us on Instagram. That's at brainydays.podcast or on Twitter, which is at brainy underscore days but especially check out our new website which is brainydayspodcast.com we worked really hard on it and uh well i worked really hard on it (laughs) (laughs) jeff made the website no i'm just kidding but it's pretty good but also if there's anything wrong with it that's on him and but right exactly um (laughs) just let me know what they are so i can (laughs) also you you can maybe cut this out but you you literally said the perfect pun for this episode, and I don't think you realized it. <laughs> what did I say? You said Pugsley's laying on my notes, and I'm just trying to read them. But it sounded oh. like you're, you're either trying to read your notes or you're trying to read Pugs. <laughs> yo, that's funny, though. Also, because I'm interacting with my notes, and he's like, yo, this is what you're looking at. Look at me instead. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great That was funny. Mm -hmm. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to read them. Read this little kitty cat. Okay, I'm going to go play with my cats. Uh, But thank you again for listening. Be sure to tune in more soon. Be sure to tune in soon. Be sure to tune in again soon for more episodes (laughs) of Brainy Days. Brainy Days. Okay, that's it. (laughs) I guess. Whatever. I said the Rainy Days thing in the beginning. Yeah. Bye. Um, Cool. Bye, everybody.